Oh my God, I want to eat dinner at Chili's. No. Mm-mm. Why are you guys bashing um, on Chili's? Why are we doing that? <laughs> why, why, why is that necessary right now? <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Wheel Nerds. This is episode 201. I'm wow. Chuck. And I'm Todd. We're going to be talking about motorcycles and vomit in my beard. Oh, Jesus Christ. Here's really? the thing. That's what we're starting out with. That's, that's, that's what, what we're, we're doing. Yeah, well, let me, that's, let me tell you about my weekend. Jesus. I was going to go out and I was going to test the Strom's charging system. That didn't happen. Okay. Because my kids got sick. Uh-huh. And uh, I can safely say now that I've had the experience of having vomit in my beard that was not mine. <laughs> it was not great. Were you holding your kid facing you? Is that what uh, happened? I was holding the kid facing me and saying, honey, are you going to throw up? Is that what's about to happen now? And she looks at me and goes, no, I'm all right. I'm good. I'm just <sighs> and then that was, then it was Saul. And that, that's all she wrote, huh? Uh, what do they got? I don't know. Just sick. Just sick. Funk. Mm. Mm. They're disgusting. They're kids. They eat things and put hands in their mouth. Oh, I got something you can make fun of me about. Oh, what's that? I just turned 46. Wow. Yeah. Look at you. Uh, you're, you're, you're well-aged. Well-aged. But it was cute. Though, and the reason I, it remind, I thought of it. Um, was my kid texted me mm-hmm. on my birthday to Aww. say happy birthday. That's cute. Yeah. It wasn't my weekend with her, but you mm-hmm. know, sure. So I was like, Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. It's kind of neat. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like a fatherly accomplishment. And I got to tell you, I, I, I don't know if I told you this already, but what you told me before about mm-hmm. that relationship mm-hmm. has made a huge world of difference. Good. Since then. I'm glad. That or the antidepressants I'm on are kicking in. Hey, a little from column A. <laughs> they're, not, they're not mutually exclusive. But yeah, that, that made a, a huge difference. That's good. You know, divorce, divorce, is, divorce is, a, is a bitch on the kids. I'm not going to lie. It's a super bitch on <laughs> the kids. But, you know, when, you, when you've adjusted to it and you have, like, lots of parents so you can be fighting with one and still have other parents you can talk to, it's, yeah. you know, it has its upsides in some ways. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And guys... Spend a lot of time fighting with one parent or another. Kind of work your way around the group. I've never had the vomit, though. No, the vomit. On the face. I, I will say the vomit is a completely novel experience for me. I've, I've done Thank the poop God. catch. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, that happens. That, <laughs> <laughs> that hadn't happened to me before in my entire life <laughs> up until that point. Well, you know, as I'm, as, I'm, as I'm fond of telling people, having kids is a never-ending series of new Lows. indignities. New lows, yeah. New indignities. Uh-huh. Speaking of indignities, I think it's classified's time. Let's do it. Because there are definitely some indignities here. First up, Adventure. Adventure, yeah. Dr. Jekyll, 2005 Suzuki Kicks or 750 TKC80. <laughs> Weirdly, I do know that those TKC80s work well on the 17-inch front wheel. Uh-huh. 2005 Suzuki Gixxer 750, which can either be a swift transportation on the street or a forestry exploratory vehicle. An FEV? I've made a new category. It's called the FEV. Thanks, Chuck. Your big help. Many modifications. Plus 60 millimeter cables, extended braided brake lines to allow Spiegler LSL handlebar kit. Much more comfortable. Also have clip-ons. Currently has TKC tires at both ends, but street tires are included and rear street tires on second rim for easy swap. My man. Pelican case is attached to second pillion pad. Original pillion pad in good shape. Second front fairing is included and lowers are included. Some rash from previous owner. Not me. Not at all from dirt. <laughs> Shorty exhaust, very loud, blah, blah, blah. Skid plate, whatever. Yeah. Parts, blah, parts. blah. Boring, boring, parts. boring, boring. 
bike has been on the Trans-America Trail. Oh. Give it a grade of C for rough forestry and roads. Get a B- minus if you played with the suspension. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. So, so this is somebody has taken a Gixxer, and they have removed some fairing, and thrown some TKCs on it, and been like, eh, adventure. Adventure. <laughs> adventure. Yeah. Um, it seems a it seems reaching a little bit to me. I mean, you know, I, I imagine whatever it might work, but uh, you know, I mean, credit for him to just do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there is a certain amount of just do itness. This is it. the complete opposite of the dude that's like, you need to kill or the soft bags and the just burn again. This guy's like, I slapped some TKCs on a Gixxer and uh, also fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Have we covered the part where fuck you yet? <laughs> I mean, on the bright side, unlike the bandit, when you get it in dirt, the uh, rear wheel isn't instantaneously going to spin wildly when you look at the gas flame. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Gixxer is peaky. And it looks good. Yeah, I mean, he, he, for, for the intense weirdness of it, um, seems to have done an okay job. With it. Yeah, I... It is intensely weird, though. Okay, good on him. Very. very. Here we go. 1950 Triumph pre-unit rigid. Oh, neat. Uh, pre-unit project. Motor and trans. Professionally rebuilt. Frame is very nice. Original. Lots of little extra parts. Here's a picture of some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fairness, he says lots of little extra parts. Uh, he, he he notes that, you know, it does not include some of the big parts. Like, I don't know, we're going to hypothetically say a rear wheel. Yeah, but what gets me is he wants forty eight hundred. Well, but it, it's a it's a nineteen fifty Triumph pre unit, so it's the hipsters all want it. Forty eight hundred bucks for a box of parts. They're very parts parts. I I don't get it. I, mean, I don't either. I mean, it appears it appears for all intents and purposes to be like an engine, kind of with no carbs. Um, what looks like it may have been cases to the engine that are not currently on it. The engine is not really in that great shape, and the old transmission is there. And a frame with and, a front and a wheel. frame with some rust on it, and a front wheel. For 4800 bucks. Maybe it is not as shitty as it looks. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's really... About all I can come up with here. I, I don't get it. I mean, I mean, if the parts were like really professionally shined up and looked really nice, and maybe were like for something really cool. Yeah. But the the pre the 1950 Triumph is not really a excellent. Thing. Yeah. Forty eight hundred bucks. Yeah, I, I don't get it. This this is a somebody is dreaming. You know what this is? Somebody bought this for too much money, and now they're like. <laughs> I've got to load this I shit. need to get too I, much money. I need to get too much money for this. Or we're doomed. I'm I'm it's all over. Uh-huh. Gotta get rid of this thing. Gotta okay. go. Must go. Well, um we might have someone for him. Okay. Wanting to buy a Hayabusa, five thousand dollars cash, with a picture of a guy holding five thousand dollars cash. In cash. Yep. Not at all a trap. This is in no way a trap. <laughs> Wanting to buy a Hayabusa. I have $5,000 cash. Text me what you have. We'll get back to you ASAP. Not trap. I. And those are bad tattoos on his arm. They are also they, pretty bad they're tattoos. They're like prison tattoos 
skulls yeah, are. Yeah. Right? He's holding the skull motif, and the skulls aren't really very good skulls. There's no real shading. You're going to die if you meet this person. Is my thought. Uh, could be, could be. It could also be that what this person is actually saying is, "Hey, want to buy Hayabusa? Flexible on how you got it. <laughs> no questions no asked. No questions asked. Because you know, here's five grand cash. Now I gotta ask. <laughs> wait, wait. Here's five grand cash. Don't ask questions where it came from. And that that was gonna be because here's the thing. Five grand cash. When was the last time you held that much cash in your hand? Not since I was a stripper in college. So, yeah, it's uh, no. When when does not it's it's five thousand dollars cash in like all nicely matched bills. Uh huh. Um, what the hell? Yeah. Clean ones too. Clean new money. Something yeah. something is not, not at all a drug right. deal. No, no, there's there's no chance there were any drugs involved anywhere in this equation. I don't ask you about the bike. You don't ask, ask me about the drugs. Money. I mean, money. <laughs> or to, unless you want to buy some drugs. In which case, <laughs> let me show you around back. Step in to my office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This 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 has this has all sorts of sketch about it. <laughs> Now, in fairness, the other thing you could do with five thousand bucks is you could jump into the underground economy with it. But you know, I, I can't. Uh, you can you dr- jump into the underground economy with five thousand dollars in new shiny one hundred dollar bills? Maybe if they were like <laughs> grubby, like taped together old hundred dollar bills. People are gonna look at that and be like, "I think this is fake money. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't real. <laughs> Why are you here? Are you a cop?" <laughs> On, Are you with the DMV? <laughs> on which note? <laughs> <laughs> Antique Cushman Husky Truckster. There's a lot of words here. Mm-hmm. Three-wheel butt buggy hit-miss engine. $750. Okay, folks, don't know anything about it, but we'll try to answer any questions. That never stopped anybody. I know it is stuck. Carburetor is there. Electric starter. Very restorable. Not sure on price, but starting where I am comfortable letting it go. Local pickup, but might be able to ship. We also have motors, transmissions, and axles available. That is deeply weird. And it, and it, it clearly was once a Cushman three-wheeler. It, it does say Cushman in several yep. places. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, all the bits and pieces are there. It's got the leading link suspension, so it would be easy to steer if it was not entirely rusted <laughs> out. And, uh Vaguely ovular shaped, uh, and the entire motor was not made of rust. Um, uh, I am the gas tank. Ooh, I like how the nut is actually part of the metal. Now, now yeah, this this you, thing is basically consists of rust. You start that up, and it, it's going to fall to dust. It's not going. Nothing's going to. You're gonna you're gonna sit on this Look too at hard. The wheel, the wheel is peeling away in rust. Well, yeah, it's all rotted. <laughs> there, there, there's Chuck. There's an entirely new species inside that. Oh, and they yeah. they might even be like Bronze Age at this point. Maybe I don't. I don't maybe know, this is this is some scary, scary shit. <laughs> I just think it's really funny that somebody's like very restorable. How? <laughs> How? There's nothing left. Everything you touch is gonna fall apart. There are raccoons living in this. <laughs> this, thing, this, this is a habitat. This is a wash bar habitat. There's a yeah yeah wash bar wash yeah. bar. Wash bar are in this thing, and you know they got loads of space. This is this is this is a a, a really nice habitat for them. 
Ted the Raccoon Whisperer could lure out mm-hmm. a family. Now, now, in fairness, Ted might buy it for the raccoons. <laughs> so, $750, $750, yes. Do the angry raccoons come with that? <laughs> well, I can take them out if you want. Well, I guess I'd need you to lower the price if I'm going to take the raccoons, too. <laughs> and the sucker says, all right, I could go down to 500. Ted says, fine. <laughs> I can do 500. But then what does he do with it after he has it? He makes it into a raccoon. He sinks it into the ocean and it becomes a natural. <laughs> it becomes it becomes a new raccoon reef. Uh, underwater. For aquatic raccoons. For aquatic aquacoons. That is not. That's now a thing. Aquacoon. Artificial reefs for, for underwater raccoons. Underwater raccoons. That's a thing. Yep. yep. Wow. Yep. Okay. This is no crazier than somebody asking 750 <laughs> for a pile of rust. Let's be honest. <laughs> Which is crazier? Aquatic raccoons? Buying this for $750. Advantage. Advantage. Artificial reef. I can, I can picture them already. Mm. All right. I have a question. Yeah. While I while I was searching through these ads, mm-hmm. I came across a lot of ads where people are selling their helmets. And I'm and I'm, I'm in my head I'm just like, are people really buying used helmets off of Craigslist? Dude, I don't know. I, I I listeners, if you have not picked up on this, under no circumstances should you buy a used helmet. Ever. Ever. It just seems ever. It feels all sketchy to me. Yeah, well, in addition to the fact that someone has had that helmet. And and breathed and lived in it and sweated in it like, and like grossed the, in the it. The tautness of the inside of my helmets is staggering. I've sneezed in my helmets many, many times. <laughs> yeah, there's the gum story. There's the gum in story helmet. in my helmet. <laughs> Why would someone else want to put their head in that? I don't know. It's so gross. And it's not safe either. Other than my legion of female fans and male ones. I, I don't discriminate. It's cool. Yeah, they can all buy the helmet. They can all have that. <laughs> no, but no, seriously, who? I don't know. Do. It's so gross. Oh. And then, and then, helmet life, helmet history. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck has actually happened to this helmet? Yeah. Has it? What has it, it bounced off of? Is it old? Has it perhaps bounced on things? Uh, was it? Was it? I don't know. Hypothetically, in a flood. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Are there raccoons inside? <laughs> Are, are they still there? <laughs> are they angry? Are they friendly? Are they aquatic? <laughs> these are the questions you should be worried about. And the answer to all of these is run. And the, I never see the prices being like strikingly low. No. And I think, I think a lot of the time what it is, is they're, you know, they're like, I got helmet. And yeah. It's been bungeed to the back of my back. Bungie, all this time. I take it out and carry it into the house. So my mom thinks I use it. But uh, yeah, no, ew, ew, ew. Uh, I've got a ton of helmets. I haven't thought about trying to sell any of them. No, no shit. No, no I've got like a couple, and like if somebody's really desperate for a helmet, I'll loan them. <laughs> Here, put your head in this. <laughs> put your head in this. God help you. No one else will. No, um, I, 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 I'm picturing the scene from Temple of Doom, mm-hmm. Mola Ram with your helmet. <laughs> Kalima. Kalima. Not the bees. <laughs> What's that smell? Smell of adventure. You're having an adventure. Just put me in the lava now. <laughs> You're having an adventure right now. 
This is an adventure. Not the kind of adventure I wanted to pay for. <laughs> no. Well, our guest tonight uh, can help you with an adventure out in the wonderful mountains of Tennessee. Tons, Carolina. tons of adventure. P- PJ Pijanka? Is that right? No, it's, you know, and it's an interesting little tidbit about me. Um, the J is silent in my last name. Oh, Pianka. And, okay. I, and I, yes, and I'm retired Navy. Mm-hmm. And I'm also really proud of the family name because I was first generation American. Oh, okay. And when you go to boot camp and every time a drill instructor says your name wrong, you correct him, you start getting your ass beat <laughs> yeah. repeatedly. Yeah. Because I wasn't backing down to that. That's my family name, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So they figured out they had to kill me or come up with something else to call me. <laughs> I, and, I, and that's I live where in that came fear. From. That's where PJ came from? Yeah, there, yeah. there are people who have known me 30, 40 years, don't know what my first name is. They just oh. know me as PJ. Ah, well, PJ, <laughs> as we will call him, is, of course, the owner-operator of Sport Bikes for Hire, where you can rent sport bikes, which you will totally never check the rev limit I'm sure. Because nobody ever does that. You can right? rent all manner of bikes from PJ. No, you know, you know, though we, I can go into the ECU and turn like the the rev limiter down to like <laughs> eight thousand RPM. When a customer comes back complaining, I'm like, "What were you doing there?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's when never I, done when that. When I was a demo, when I was a demo rider for Aprilia, we had so many customers who would burn up rear brakes. You'd come back with the rear brake smoking, the rotors were blued, we got sick of replacing them, so we put air in all the rear brake lines. Oh, the and original anti-lock Yeah, well, the guys come back from a demo ride and go, man, I love the bike. Something's wrong with the rear brake on that one. And I'd look at them and go, why were you even trying it? We, we did nothing you needed the rear brake for. <laughs> <laughs> and it saved us repairing a lot of bikes. So, PJ, you, you've had quite the journey through motorcycles. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to um, where you are. <laughs> I sometimes, sometimes wonder myself. I know the story. I can repeat it, but it still sort of amazes me. Rode dirt bikes as a kid, thought riding motorcycles on the street was completely insane, thought Mm -hmm. racing motorcycles was completely insane. When I got old enough to have a license, when I occasionally rode on the street, it was strictly transportation, thought, you know, I had buddies who drag raced and buddies who were into bikes, and I thought, you guys going fast on bikes are nuts. Um, (laughs) That changed for me about 1986. I bought a street bike, and I started leaning towards riding recreationally on the street, loved it, enjoyed it. All my time in the Navy, kept a bike, and when I could break loose and ride, I did. Really enjoyed the MSF course. Really enjoyed helping out with the course on base. Eventually got invited to go to the school, become an instructor. Did that when I could for, gosh, about 10 or 11 years, both in the military, on base, where we teach the courses, and out in the civilian world for a college I will leave their name out of it because I, I quit their program. They, they weren't doing a very good job of it, and I wouldn't be involved. Hmm. Because I was an MSF uh, instructor, back then we were instructors, not rider coaches. You guys are all politically correct now. Yes, we only uh, coach. We never tell them what to do. Stop sucking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You so, can only suggest so, but we were instruct We were instructors back then. Then is one of you an MSF rider coach? Have I caught that? Through that, this, that would through be this me. Yeah, that's Todd. Yep. Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't know how long you've been involved, but it's funny because the uh, I'll never forget the, the master instructor who certified me. His name was actually Bill Crosby. <laughs> and and he, he's on the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration's board for motorcycles now up in D.C. So you're ready, anyway, ready to hear um, some crazy irony? The guy who certified me on the new, new program, his name is Stephen mm-hmm. King. <laughs> <laughs> 
That is good. If you ever come by sometime, I've always got a fridge full of beer and, and bottled water for people who pop in the shop. Mm-hmm. And I have all of my course materials at hand. We can compare the old to the new. Neat. Um, but, uh, but anyway, the, uh, because of that background and knowing a lot of people in motorcycling coming here to ride in East Tennessee all the time, knew somebody who was involved with Aprilia getting their demo program started in the early 2000s. Uh, and back then there was a, a large event, it's still a large event, but it's not in Knoxville anymore, called the Honda Hoot. Mm. Um, and they had a demo rider fall out that couldn't make the schedule, uh, n- you know, short notice. At this point, I'd retired from the Navy. I'm running a gas turbine power plant because I'm an engineer by trade. If, if I were smart, I'd still have my name on the door making six figures, making electricity and not working. I mean, when you guys called, I was still working. When I get off the phone with you, I'll still be working. Um, but uh, the the phone rang and Ron and Nance from, from Tale of the Dragon, uh, that, that's, they've been responsible for growing the, the popularity and the website and the the uh, what's the word? The aura that is Deals Gap or the Dragon, mm-hmm. as everybody knows it. Mm-hmm. Um, they were involved in a Proteus program, and Nance called me on like Tuesday and said, "PJ, I need you to come down and do demos." Now I had done some on and off previously for an event for Yamaha, an event for Honda. I was like, "You need me to come do demos for Proteus? I'm interested in them. I'd love to come check them out." They're like, "Yeah, we need you to ride Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Here's what we pay, and we give you per diem. Can you do it?" I said, let me call you back. I walked across the street to my boss, and I said, I got a chance to get paid to ride if I take Friday off. He's like, you know, see you Thursday afternoon. And for the last time, I called Nance back and said, I'm doing it. Came down and uh, and did my first demo event with Aprilia. That turned into, in and of itself, and, and as far as MSF goes, let me go back to that. That is probably, and I'm retired military. I've done some great stuff. I've done some good stuff with my customers. I've I've met some great people over the years. Bar none, that's the most rewarding, satisfying job I've ever had. Um, if I could do MSF instruction full-time, I'd probably do it. Uh, but as you know, it's it's not a full-time job. You know, it's you're, a, you're it's a viable side hustle. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a fun side hustle. So so what happened when I came to do that with Aprilia, I expected these, the, these typical um, uh, sort of corporate – what's the word I'm looking for? The bean counter kind of thing. You know, you're limited mm-hmm. to this. Don't go more than 10 over. You got to take this route. No, 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 no. The guy who was running the demo program uh, for a pretty early on was a guy named Aaron Clark. Everybody knows him as Clarky. Uh, he was a champion, a champion in moto two for the, the national uh, series in Australia, uh, riding the And somehow he ended up here in the States with his American wife, run the demo program, hauling the bikes around. I showed up for the event, looked over the bikes, went and met him. And I said, so what's the deal here? He said, what do you mean? I said, you know, there's a set route. What are the limitations? And he looked at me and he said, we are selling sporting motorcycles and I'm paying you to take them on a sporting ride. Well, wow. <laughs> and I went, I went, hang on a minute. You're not a beaten counter. <laughs> and he said, no, that's the deal. So we went over the bikes. He taught me what I needed to know. Did that first event and absolutely loved it. By the end of that weekend, Aaron said, how many of these do you want to do? And I'm like, you serious? He's like, yeah, I'm serious. I said, give me your schedule. Let's see what we can put together. And over the course of, I want to say that first time was 2002 or three, 
The last event I did for them was 2008 or nine. And I did about 36 different demo events around the country. It races, you know, have done Laguna, have done road America, have been to bike week to do that. Uh, have been out to Colorado to do them and absolutely loved it. Uh, so, there, there was nothing more fun than doing it for a company that, that honest to goodness loved motorcycling. It wasn't a, well, the corporation says we got this much of an advertising bu- budget. This is what we do. It was a Prilia saying, we make great motorcycles. We want to share them with people. In the course of doing that, and back then, forums were all the rage. I was very, very big on, on one forum that I'm still on. It's like my home. I've been there since 01, I think. Uh, I bought a part off eBay uh, from an Italian company, Rizoma. I needed an adapter to go with that part. So I get looking around online find a, a U.S. distributor for it. I call him and I said, hey, this is PJ up here in Kentucky. I'm looking for this part number. And the guy says, oh man, I know you. Didn't I meet you at whatever event it was? Now, I meet a lot of people. I suck with names. Um, <laughs> quite frankly, I won't. I, I have a hard time remembering your Chuck and Todd. I had to think about it. Um, and, and that's better than average. Uh, ironically, I remember your sister's name, Lindsay. She rides bicycles and she gives, and she gives you hell. <laughs> Everybody anyway, has a sister like that. He, rem- a sister. he remembered me. He remembered me and he said, dude, I'll just sign you up as a dealer and give it to you at dealer pricing. I'm like, man, it's a $30 fitting. You don't need to do that. And he says, oh, you can pass it on to your friends. It's not a big deal. Well, I'm a little gregarious if you haven't figured that out yet. I go on that forum I'm real popular with and know everybody on. And I said, hey, if anybody needs a deal on these programs, let me know. I've got a hookup. So people started coming to me for parts. I started ordering parts and for six months or a year, I wasn't really marking them up much. Wasn't making anything for my time. I was doing a bunch of friends favors. Mm. The problem was people that I didn't know started coming to me Uh, (laughs) and yeah, there were a lot of dealers in the country, not taking very good care of the brand or taking very good care of customers. I am an absolute stickler for customer service. There's been many times I've screwed up a deal and I will lose money in a heartbeat rather than screw over a customer. Mm. You know, if it's my fault, it's my fault. That people started coming to me, and next thing I know, my, my ex-wife and myself built a website, started taking orders for this stuff. Long story short, that U.S. distributor lost his deal. Um, parts weren't available in the U.S. A lot of people started coming to me. I went directly to Italy. I annoyed the Italians enough that they finally gave in because they don't like dealing with Americans. <laughs> they finally gave in and started selling to me directly. Um, and, and literally I think that was it. I think I just annoyed the shit out of them long enough. Um, cause they put me off. They give me the typical Italian answer. Oh, call us a week from Monday. Um, after we get another case of wine in it, uh, and they'd call them a week from Monday and they'd be like, Oh, next Tuesday it'd be better. And I annoyed the shit out of them until I, until I finally started importing directly from Italy. At one point I was distributing the brand in the country along with doing that, got hooked up with a bunch of other Italian brands, built my business, quit the power company in, I guess 2006 was the last time I did a corporate meeting. Oh, um, that sounds nice. And well, it's got its pros and its cons. There's, yeah, there's people yeah. that come to me and go, Oh man, you're blessed. You know, you get to do what you love. And I'm like, yeah, you want to come do what I love for 110 hours a week and, <laughs> and deal with idiot customers. And yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I, I mean, I, I made much more money in my previous job, but I, I enjoy what I do much more now. Now, every day, no, there are days I'm tired, sore, ticked off the world when I get done. But, but, you know, the sum total of everything, hell, I've got a pretty decent life. 
So, uh, uh, and, and the way we went, I had that parts business for years and years and years as things seemed to go. Uh, I got divorced. I'm pretty good at that. I suck at relationships. Um, and, uh, I got out of the business for a while. My ex-wife actually had the business. I got out of it. I thought I was done with motorcycles. Um, I inadvertently again, proved to myself it's ingrained in me. Uh, I can't get away from motorcycles. It won't happen. Uh, I worked, a, I worked a regular day job, uh, eight to five. And again, that was pretty damn nice. I punched the time clock. I came home. It was my time, but one thing led to another, um, sport bikes for hire. I knew the guy who started it. I knew him before the business started. I knew how the business started. I was familiar with it. it helped him with some stuff. He was looking to sell the business. One thing led to another. I got into the business. Uh, because of that, I need parts again. I went back to the Italian suppliers and said, hey, I know I'm technically out of the business, but would you guys still give me discounts for my personal bikes and shop bikes? And away we went again. So uh, we've got sport bikes for hires with rentals. I've got sport bikes for hire shop, which is the part site that I wish I had more time to build and expand on because I just I don't have as much time to do the web stuff as, I, as I'd like to. Uh, and along with that, I've always been the guy, like when somebody's I don't know, put a new rear wheel on their bandit and, and isn't bright enough to keep their hands out of the chain um, and should have brought it to somebody. Wow. That sounds very theoretical. Burned. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who that who might have done that, but uh. <laughs> the, but I've always been the guy locally. When, when somebody needed something with their bike, come on over, show you how to do it in the shop. We'll get you taken care of. Well, so along with that and having the parts accounts, I do some service, and I really limit how much I service because because quite frankly, I stay busy enough. It, it's appointment mm-hmm. only. I, I'm not I'm not doing like full motor builds for people. I don't all on projects. I can't turn your job over in a day. And I, I'm not going to do it if I don't want your bike until I'm ready to do the work. If I walked around the shop right now and looked, I think I've got, I've actually got only got two, I got three customers' bikes in the shop right now. One of them flies in and keeps a bike here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he flies oh, in wow. several times a year to, year to ride. Yeah, there are a lot of people. That's how this business actually started. Really? Because of a guy who did that. He kept a bike here with one of our local friends, and he flew in from California five or six times a year to ride. Hmm. The guy who flies in all the time is a, is a financial guy. Uh, he bankrolled it. The previous owner started it. And hmm. I remember talking to him going, you're going to make money doing that. You're nuts. <laughs> um, that'll never work. And, and this is, I start my third season <laughs> and he did well with it. Nice. So but frankly, he did, he did well with it running poor, running it poorly. I've, I've come to the bit to do things a little bit differently and it's, it's done pretty well, but, uh, but yeah, so I've got, you know, I, if I, if I do work on somebody's bike, it's, uh, you know, them coming in for a set of tires and chain, or, you know, minor work like that, you know, fork rebuild suspension stuff. But like I said, by appointment. So that's, that's sort of a sideline. It still, it still allows me to keep my fingers in motorcycles if I need that. Because, uh, <laughs> once you get to owning 20 motorcycles, yeah. Yeah. Maintenance is not fun anymore. I don't like this fingers in motorcycles thing you bring up. That sounds like it hurts. <laughs> it is. It's, I mean, it's a great thing. I mean, a lot of the time, if I were on the phone with you, I've got a, I've got a street triple R. I need to do some work on down below and <laughs> I can, I can pour my favorite beverage, crank up the, the stereo and me and the motorcycle and get things done and not be bothered by the rest of the world. Hmm. All right. Let's back, back up. Cause I've got some questions. What'd you do in the Navy? Well, there you go. I've thrown a ton of info, info at you. 
What did I do in the Navy? Mm-hmm. Uh, aside from travel around the world and drink. Well, yeah, I mean, that's sort of, that that's the Navy. Low energy state in the Navy. Yeah. 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 I was a gas turbine engineer, mechanical, GSM. Okay. I just uh, ret- retired as a chief petty officer. Okay. I just asked because my dad was a machinist mate. I know the rating well. Most machinist mates actually got forced to convert over to GS. Uh, most ended up as GSMs. I had machinist mates who, as the, as the machinist mate rating was, was getting slim, they converted over to GS and, and worked with and for me aboard my last ships. Mm-hmm. So I'm real familiar with it. There's very few machinist mates left other than in the nuclear Navy. Yeah, I mean, he retired in 72, so a long time ago. Yeah, I wasn't even old enough for the cops to know about me by then. <laughs> now, is there a difference between running the MSF in the Navy and running it as a civilian? Now, yes. Because uh, a dear friend of mine, Kevin Schwantz, helped the MSF back in 2003 or four. He did a bunch of time with the MSF and the Department of Defense to groom the military courses on base. Um, specific to the needs of the military. Huge problem the military had was the, the injury and fatality rate of guys on motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Regardless of the MSF course, it was a great course, did a lot of good, but uh, I don't want to speak too far out of turn here. I don't have all the details of it, but from what I know, because I still keep my, my, my fingers, my ears in it, I'm sort of a big picture kind of guy and like to know what goes on. There were a lot of guys coming back from deployments, a lot of cash, wanted a motorcycle, Went out and bought one, got to the NSF on base. You know, some base courses were better than others, just like you teach out in town, and went out and got hurt on motorcycles. They thought they were bulletproof, they were young, mm-hmm. and, and go out and do silly stuff. So the NSF course on base, there is a specific sport bike course now aimed towards sport bikes. It, it's not the NSF in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's more like um, the ARC. And mm-hmm. so. So when I taught it, no, the course out in town, the course on books were exactly the same, which made it great for me. You know, I was teaching both. We've we've talked actually with a couple of different people who will rent bikes out. Uh, what's advi- what's some advice you would give to uh, people who are thinking about starting a bike rental business? Somebody wanting to rent a motorcycle. Um, advice to somebody wanting to start a bike rental business. I I've had this question. I've spoke to people interested in it. Um, there used to be a California branch of this business. He shut down two years ago. There, there are a couple of things about it you have to realize. I'm not getting stupid rich off rentals. That's not happening. Does it pay for itself? Yes. Does it make a little money? Yes. I tell people the reason I do this is I love motorcycles, motorcyclists, and the Great Smoky Mountains. Those three things. Hmm. It puts those three, those three things together. Uh, I got a guy coming to pick up a bike. Today, when I get off the phone with you, I'm going to answer his last email. He's excited to death. We've, we've conversed several times. I've hooked him up with Google Maps or Roots, talked about the bike he's renting, talked about you know where he ought to go, what he ought to see, how to plan his trip out. I'm going to meet him. 99% of my customers, I meet some really cool people in, in all lines of work. I put them on a nice motorcycle, give them a map. You know, they've got my cell phone number. We text back and forth, uh, check in on each other. Sometimes I can break out and ride them and show them some of the roads. Uh, and and they come back with a smile on their face, and you made a new friend. So that side of it's really cool. On the back side of that, I've had customers, you know, I'll pick them up free at the airport, bring them over, put them on a bike. Well, plane's due in at 8 o'clock. One of the two customers gets bumped off a flight. 
So now instead of meeting this person at 8 o'clock, their plane got in at half past midnight. The other customer got picked up a friend by a friend where they're staying a little over two hours from here. It's a nice drive. It's out across the mountains. If I was doing it leisurely on a bike, it's a great place to go. In this case, I meet the young lady at the airport at 1230. At that point, I've loaded both bikes in the bed of the truck. I pick her up at 1230. I drive the two hours over there, unload two bikes, meet the other, other young lady, get their contracts done, drive my butt back here, get back here in the truck about 4.30, 4.45 in the morning, I got another customer coming for around 9 o'clock. Oh. So, so that part of it, and, and understand that's not the person's fault. Shit happens. I can't, you know, what am I going to do? Go, hey, dude, you're good. You're not going to get rid of a motorcycle? No, right. this is their vacation. So, so you take care of them. You, you do everything you can for them on the back end of it. There's some days you're like, damn it. On the occasion, a customer bends the bike, you know. <laughs> I got plans for something. I might have service appointments in the shop. I might have dinner with friends. Heck, I might have a motorcycle ride planned. And then that person out on a ride has a mishap, and I get a phone call. They've been one of our bikes three hours from here. Guess what I'm doing? In the truck, drive out that three hours, pick them up, pick the bike up, haul them back here, do an estimate, go through that process with them, hunt the parts figure out what I've got to do to cover the next customer if it's busy in the season so that that next customer, again, doesn't know any different. He leaves her on a good, clean motorcycle. And when it's busy, that can be a hassle. That can be a huge hassle. Hmm. And it will dictate your life. So as far as somebody getting into the business, you've got to be prepared to be that flexible. Quite frankly, I have thought about giving this business up. Uh, I've gone through through some changes in my life last year, uh, and I'm trying to groom things because – Quite frankly, I want some quality of life, <laughs> and and I've got I've got you know my different lines of business between the parts site I and mean, when I'm doing parts and just doing that made real good money doing it. If I get up early in the morning, get my cup of coffee, answer the emails in the inbox, ship the orders that need to go out, and now at ten o'clock it's sunny outside. I'm twenty miles from the gap mm-hmm. with a garage full of motorcycles, and I'm like, I want a burger over at the gap. So I jump on a bike, I ride over there, Mona and the girls cook me a great lunch, they had my friends, make a couple of passes on the lap, I'm back at my desk in two and a half, three hours. Customers don't know the difference. <laughs> so the the rental part of the business, even though it's really enjoyable, it, it dictates a lot of your life. So for somebody getting into it, I mean that's probably the biggest thing. Other than that, I mean it takes quite a bit of capital. I got seventeen motorcycles in the rental fleet. You know, you don't buy anything new. You better be good at at good deals. You better be good at repairing motorcycles. You got to be good at meeting and interacting with people. You're not gonna you're not gonna gel with everybody. Some people aren't uh, don't have the gift of gab that you guys or myself do, and you still deal with them professionally, and they're still happy when they leave. But they're quiet. You know, Hmm. they aren't they aren't extroverts. They just want a motorcycle and to go hide in the mountains, and you hand it off, and they go on their way, and everything's great. And it's I can't say this business is for everybody. You know, you're not you're not starting a nine to five. Well, heck, when I've got a lot of bikes out on rental in the summer, I might have a day or two in the middle of a weekend where there's literally nothing scheduled to go in or out. I've got seven customers out on motorcycles. Do I want to get on a bike and be out in the mountains right on a cell signal? You know, I got to be mm-hmm. handy to support them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's literally, hey, we're over here. Should we go this route or that route? Or where's that place you told us to stop for lunch? Part of this business is taking care of them. I mean, you really are sort of the concierge for their sure for their, their riding vacation. 
So, you know, I sit here and go, well, damn it, I'd like to go do that, but I think I'll move along and keep my cell phone on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I can't, I can't say it's a fantastic business. It's got, it's definitely got its pros and cons. The other things as far as starting the business, it's not fucking science. science. Um, you got to spend time keeping your motorcycles. This is the difference between me and the previous owner. I hand people good, clean, mechanically sound motorcycles. If, if a bike gets damaged or bend, another funny story. One of the bikes in the fleet is my personal Gixxer 750 that I put in the fleet. Really, really well set up bike, X-Race bike. And last weekend, I'm still trying to figure out how. Had a customer come in Sunday morning to pick up his bike I serviced. I walked down to the shop with him and I looked over and went, why is my Gixxer on its side? <laughs> it was on its side against one of, <laughs> and it was on its side against one of our Daytonas. It decided to lay down. I'd been in it, that bike had been in that parking spot for like ten days, hadn't moved, hadn't been started, hadn't been touched. But sometime Saturday night, I had a little too much to drink. It decided to lay down. It laid down against our Daytona, one of my Daytonas. Uh-huh. And when it did that, it put a hell of a crease in the tank. So, <laughs> so I could have touched it up and rented it. I can't do that in good conscience. So I called one of my buddies who's in Jixers. Actually, I texted him and said, Nino 607 tank in black. What have you got? He had one, gave me a price. I changed the tank on that bike yesterday. You know, oh, wow. and there's, there's things you want to, somebody wants to, wants to be proud of the bike they're riding. Mm-hmm. Our customers constantly come back and go, man, a lot of people ask about this. Um, I'm really big on the Triumph. Street Triple R's are probably our most popular renters. Even though a lot of motorcyclists have learned about Triumph and love Triumph, I put a lot of people on these that have never ridden a triple before. They have no idea what they're in for. Uh, we get a lot of guys who call, I kid you not, and go, you got any leader bikes? And I'm like, yep, got a couple of FZ1s. No, 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 no. I need like an R1 and an S1000. And I'm like, no, you don't need that at all. <laughs> and if you can talk them through that, if you can talk them through that and make them understand that here in the mountains, I can put you on a Daytona. And you will have every bit of, you probably have more fun because you're not scaring yourself to death. They come back just going, holy cow, that was great. And they love the bikes. And if you put them on a good clean bike when they leave, they're more likely to take care of them. Let's face it. If I rent you my bike that looks like it's been crashed six times, you're not so worried about it. If I run it to you and it's really pretty and well-serviced. Yeah, you're really you careful now. Yeah. Oh, don't, yeah. don't ding that up. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so you spend... You spend a, a lot of time making sure your bikes are right. And, and you spend a lot of time. I mean, I look at the schedule. You know, I look at the next three bikes going out. And a few days in advance, I go out and check all the tires on them. Sometimes, you know, I got a bike. Shit, this is going to be out for four days. That's not really four days worth of tire. And I'm pulling a tire off that I normally wouldn't change at that point And spooning the new tire on it because the customer's happy. You know, there's, there's a lot of maintenance stuff like that you got to do if you're going to do it right. I've never had a customer say, you know, bike didn't have enough tires on it, bike wasn't serviced well, that they that never crosses their mind. The second they get here and they meet me and they meet their motorcycle, they're happy with what they're getting. Um and that, you know, that that does a lot for them. How many bikes and, are you running? I mean, um rental fleet right now are seventeen. Now how how many of your own do you have? Mm. Well, technically 17, but I don't like to count anymore. I got that question one time last year during the women's rally. I'm a huge uh, supporter of the women's sport bike rally, and they do an East and West Coast version now. But we had a bunch of girls over 
during rally week. I think that was last year. Early in the week, cooked out, hung out, BS, and they're standing around the shop. And one of them said, how many bikes do you own? And my ex-girlfriend had to go around the shop and count at that point. Because <laughs> um, I literally, I didn't know. And she came back and went, shit, we got 25 right now. <laughs> and I didn't know, and that was sort of that's sort of scary to know, so I don't count much anymore. Seventeen. I own somewhere around twenty-one or twenty-two motorcycles right now. Now, now the interesting question, of course, is how many of those don't run right now? Of mine, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't have anything not running, guys. What the hell are you? No. <laughs> now, now I'll tell you. Now I'll tell you this: the one most uh, sorely in need of maintenance is probably my personal bike. My personal personal bike that doesn't go in the fleet. What's that bike? I'm past you on a valve adjustment on it, but I'm, I'm actually. You guys alarmed me. I'm walking down here looking. Yeah, no, there's nothing right now that I couldn't send down on rental. I am a little concerned about the charging system on one of them, and I'm going to get in there tomorrow and make sure it isn't having issues. Um, What's your personal bike? But, my personal longest term, I will always have one, uh, won't be without it, uh, is a first-generation FC one. Oh, you're one of this them. This is actually, yeah, I'm one of them, which is why I hack on the bandit guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but no, I've got, this one's got uh, 39,800 miles on, almost 40,000. My first one had 42,000 on it, and I've got two in the rental fleet set up with Gibby bags and I've got one that a friend stores here that I service. So there's four of them in the shop right now, but yeah, I've had a first gen FC one since two. Uh, and the only reason I've had two of them is I wanted the later model with a black motor and frame and a buddy of mine stumbled on this one. It's an Oh five. He found it in, in 2010 in his neighbor's garage under a sheet with 550 miles on it. And, Ooh. uh, the neighbor, he, he had, and we find, I find those deals that's you have to, and you have to be able to find those deals if you're going to, if you're going to be in this, this kind of business. But mm -hmm. John was literally leaving church one day and his buddy from like four doors down says, John, I'm going to sell my bike and it's not running right. Could you come take a look at it? And John's like, you own a bike? Had no idea. <laughs> and he found this FC, he found this FC one and yeah, the, the carbs were gummed up. Imagine and he calls me and he's like, yeah, the guy, he calls me. Well, I'm 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 a huge proponent of Ivan's jackets. Uh, I've installed close to 50 of them. And John called me and he said, bring everything you need to pull a set of carbs in your checkbook. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it was funny because I was really, really busy. Didn't know that I wanted to put the time or effort into changing it because this bike is set up pretty well. There's more money in suspension and brakes on that bike than the bike's worth. Hmm. I was like, God, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if we we'll go through swapping all the stuff over. And that same buddy, John, he's a, he's a great guy. He's like, I'll tell you what, buy the thing. We put it in my garage. You do the carbs, bring your bike over. I'll swap all the parts over. So I was like, all righty. And put them both up on stands. He swapped everything from the one forty thousand mile FC one to this one at 550 miles. Now I'm at 40,000 on this one. So yeah, I love them. I will always have one of those, but I am, I am a huge proponent of the street triple R's, the triumphs. I do have a personal one of those right now that's really, really well set up. I've thought about parting with that bike this year, but I hope not to. And and that for here in the mountains, the the, the flat power delivery of the triples and the physical size of them, they, they're the perfect weapon for here on the twisty stuff. What's the most so. popular bike you have to run? The street triple R's. I've got so, three street triple R's in the rental fleet, one regular street triple, and then the two Daytonas. And a lot of times when a guy calls and wants to rent one of the Jixers, 
I, I always ask customers, you know, what do you ride normally? Try to learn a little bit about them and, and plug them onto a bike that, you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to like and enjoy. Sure. And when guys are looking for sport bikes, I tend to want them to try the Daytonas because, you know, unlike, uh, you know, riding a, riding an R1 or an R6 where nothing happens till nine grand, mm-hmm. you don't spend a lot of time thinking about the power band, thinking about the gearbox. I tell them when you get up to the gap, just pick a gear and leave it there. The bike's happy. You're not going to come out of a corner a couple of thousand too low and, and lug the motor. The bike's just going to be like, well, Bob, you could have done better, but I'm leaving anyway. <laughs> um, and, 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 and it really takes care of the rider. It's really forgiving as far as the motor goes and the suspension and the brakes on the things are phenomenal as far as out of the box, you know, compared to what I started riding years ago, the street triple R's are the most popular and uh, the Daytona's for sport bikes. I try to drive people that way. Some guys just got to have a Jixer though, you sure. know, and okay, we can do that. That is the wrong combination um, of letters on that street triple. You need to, <laughs> you need to get yeah. that fixed. Mm-hmm. Guys who rent the Jixers, it's funny. They've ridden them before. It's not anything amazing. Now, the guys who rent my 750, it's really well set up. They, If they know Jixers, they come back with some comments on it and are pretty happy with it. But I, I think part of the rental, part of the trip, part of the, the, the memory you make when you come run a motorcycle, you know, these roads are new. These mountains are new. The people are new. The attitudes are new. Let's face it, East Tennessee and Western North Carolina is compared to where most people come from that we see. You know, we get people coming from overseas or or fairly metropolitan areas or fairly flat areas. This is new terrain, new topography, new people, new accents. It's all a new thing to them. Mm-hmm. And if you throw a good new motorcycle in there, the whole thing is just a joyous occasion. You know, very rarely. I, I, I have a hard time thinking anybody ever came back and said, well... I really didn't like that bike this much, you know, it's, it's a whole hell. It's a Christmas morning kind of thing, but I get to do it for people, you know, year round. Which is why he dresses in the Santa suit for every customer <laughs> when they show up. It's only mm, weird the first time. That's not creepy at all. I've, there is, there is an elf hat hanging up in the mudroom right now. <laughs> <laughs> for and, emergencies. and one of my dogs has a matching one. So go figure. <laughs> I, I still think by the memory I will never that will never leave me about Tennessee is stopping at the gas station and seeing 16 beers on tap. Where was that? Uh, <laughs> He's taking notes. <laughs> I don't remember the I name. I should know this place. I don't remember the name of the town. It's not too far from Lebanon. Oh, okay. You're over near Nashville. Yeah. yeah 16 beers on tap, and they were probably all wearing skinny jeans. <laughs> No, the yeah, that's no. not okay. That's the guy not was miss, he was missing teeth, and and he had okay. a, a very thick accent. East Tennessee is different, though. I mean, we are we are in the foothills of the mountains. I can be, I love the town I'm in. I can be in downtown Knoxville if the girlfriend and I want a nice restaurant for dinner, or I want to do a concert or something like that. I've got all that in Knoxville. I can be there in thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. If I want to be in the mountains, I can be there in five. Uh, and, and you get, you go across the gap or, or one of the other ways you get over in Western North Carolina, same kind of, same thing, really simple people, really nice, really, really nice to each other. Um, I honestly haven't taken the key out of my personal motorcycle in five or six years. I'd lose it. <laughs> you know, people don't, people don't mess with your stuff. I go to lunch in North Carolina, my bike's outside with the key on it, my helmet hanging on it. And if I'm wearing a two piece, my jacket. Damn it, I've been trying that with a Strom for years. It's still here. (laughs) (laughs) It's a Strom. 
Please steal this. You want to buy? No. You want to buy? You want to buy one? <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> this finally runs again. What but, are you talking uh, about? It doesn't charge. Yeah. So that, I mean, the, yeah, this part of the country is just just really, really good people. It's it's an irony to me because when you're over at Deals Gap and you're on the North Carolina side, Graham County is the most impoverished co- county in North Carolina. Hmm. Uh, their main export is meth. But people don't screw with your stuff. They don't have a crime problem. It's really weird. Oh wow! It's it's yeah. You know, you would think, oh god, you know, you're dealing with those people. You just don't run into problems. It's really rare. I mean, I love this part of the country. I honestly think, from my time traveling around, <clears throat> and I say this with customers often, I think everybody's got a part of the country that fits them. You know, some people enjoy the beach. I graduated high school in Florida. I've been all over Florida. There's very little I miss of Florida. You know, I've been out to the Rockies. It's cool. It's majestic. It's not my gig. I've been to California. Pretty neat. Still not my thing. Smoky Mountains, this is home. And everybody's got somewhere that fits them. And for for me, this is it. And there's a lot of people moving to this part of the country. And I get why. Hmm. And at the same time, I don't want them because I don't want any more people. (laughs) Don't want any more traffic. Don't want any more houses. It could stay like it is now or like it was 10 years ago, as far as I'm concerned. But it's really, really good, wonderful people. And we get that that comment from customers. It's not uncommon to stop here on a motorcycle and just have somebody who's not a rider. Some local little old lady, that's a pretty motorcycle. Where are you going to? And just start up a conversation with you. And it's funny because it happens to me. They think I'm one of the tourists when I'll go over to my favorite restaurant the North Carolina side to eat dinner. Where are you from? Did you come to ride the dragon? And I'll be like, I'm from Merville. And and it's funny if you say Maryville like it's like it's written, mm. they suddenly know you're a tourist. We don't <laughs> yeah, have sure. vowels. It's Merville. Mm-hmm. It's Merville. You say you're from Maryville, and they're like, oh, sure you are. <laughs> um, <laughs> Whatever. So, I mean, but it's that it's that kind of place, and they welcome all the outsiders that come to ride, and and even folks that come from other parts of the world. I mean, we get quite a few. We get a lot of Canadians. Canadians come here to ride all the time. They don't have the riding season we do. We've got sure. great roads, uh, and we don't have the, the penalties for for speeding and law enforcement issues that Canadians do. So they're happy to come down here to, to blow off steam on their bikes as part of the country. But we get a lot of Europeans, and I get quite a few Australians that come into rent. And, and they're, a lot of times those people are traveling around. I mean, you know, they're coming and going to see New York or they're going to Atlanta and they're spending some time there and spending some time in the mountains. And, and we get a lot of positive comments about how much they love the mountains, you know, and, and the, imp- the impression they got of the people here. There, there's my little, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not even a sales pitch. I, I sort of feel like maybe we ought to cut that part out of, the, out of this podcast because I don't know that I want that <laughs> many people knowing. It, it's awful it's here. Bit, don't you know, don't come got, here. I've got bees. Friends. So many bees. <laughs> yeah, I've got friends who are like, yeah, getting close to retirement. Where shall I look down there? I'm thinking about coming down there, and I'm like, dude, I Arizona. still have a spare room in Bourbon. You can come visit. Don't buy a place here. Arizona, go to Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Love you, but but shit, I only <laughs> want to see you four times a year. When's the best time to come out there? Uh, that's the uh, the never-ending question. What's the best time to ride? Um, I actually answered that for a guy on the phone today. Best time to ride is now. Our, <laughs> best day is today. Yeah, pretty much the best time to ride is when you can get on a motorcycle and ride. Now, that being said... Um, it actually spit snow earlier, but tomorrow I think we're going to have our fifth spring. <laughs> this, this spring has been sure. really wacky. It was yeah. it was high 70s Saturday. It was snowing last night. I have had renters. I had renters last year in February. I had 
there were four, yeah, four guys. They called me on like Tuesday in February and said, can you rent bikes this time of year? And I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like this weekend. And I'm like, dude, the high is going to be like 45. He's like, I'm calling you from North Dakota. 45. They had a blast. I, when they picked the, the morning, they picked the bikes up here at the shop. It was like 35. Mm-hmm. Two days later, when I picked the bikes up and met them over where they were, I went out and picked them up. It was like the high was maybe 50 and they had a damn hoot. Mm-hmm. They were probably but wearing we shorts. Get days, yeah. Yeah. Our winters here are really mellow. I didn't ride because some other stuff I had going on every month this past year, but normally we get a couple of days every month of the year that, that, you know, it'll be 60 and sunny and there are no tourists here to get out and ride. And we have renters that do that. We have people that are in town on business and there's a break in the weather like that. And the guy will call me and like, dude, I'm in Knoxville for business. Can you run a bike? Yeah, I can, I can put you loose on a bike. The season actually generally starts about now, mid-April. Fall here, generally we're riding up until Thanksgiving. Uh, you might get a cold snap or two be, before that, but we, it's not uncommon to have the last week of November still be in the 60s. Interesting thing, everybody says to avoid the holidays here because it's going to be crazy uh, crazy busy. When I didn't live here and I was coming in to ride 10 or 12 weekends a year, I aimed for the holiday weekends because everybody's like, oh, Labor Day is going to be crazy. No, Labor Day is when you have your family cookout. Grandma's having everybody over. Your ass better be there. Mm-hmm. You can't say you went to ride motorcycles in the mountains. It is not as busy as you think. A lot of people come to ride the Gap or, well, or the Dragon, and they think, oh, it's too crazy up there. You can't ride. Well, if I, they serve a good breakfast over there, and I will take a Saturday morning in June and ride over for breakfast, have breakfast, get a couple of passes on the hill, and be back out of there at 10 o'clock. And all the cruisers and tourists and people you know, wandering through – don't start showing up till 10, 30, or 11. They're still sleeping. See, Chuck, if you go out early, well, you get the good roads. Shut up. See, Chuck? No. <laughs> Eat a uh, dick. The other thing is, is a lot of them, though, that stay here, they combine it with going to, like, Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge and Sevierville, where you have all the tourist traps you could want. Yeah, and none they of those ride words down here. to me. <laughs> well, those are, those are the big touristy spots, sort of like going to Branson, Missouri or going to Orlando to go to a theme park. That's where you find the outlet mall, every chain restaurant you could possibly want. Yay, Chili's! Um, yeah, exactly. Oh my God, I want to eat dinner at Chili's. No. Mm-mm. Why are you guys bashing um, on Chili's? Why are we doing that? <laughs> why, why, why is that necessary right now? <laughs> I, I, ate there once, I ate there once last week. I just want to see what it feels like to be one of the, one of the drones. <laughs> I just I can't do it. We got good local places, um, but anyway, Stop the thing is smug. they stay up. Well, <laughs> they stay they stay up there, and they they came down for the family vacation, and they brought their Harley, and they got to come over and ride the dragon and get a t shirt. Well, from <laughs> here from the dragon back to where they're staying on that bike on these mountain roads because, and and. I might get some booze from your audience, but I don't think the, the same audience is, is listening. It'll, it'll, it'll frown on this. Um, those are the fight boat, the, the, the blokes who own really, really large cruisers. They ride them twice a year and mm-hmm. damn it, they're a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. And they got to be back up in time for happy hour at Applebee's sure. and for them <laughs> to get back up to their hotel room in Pigeon Forge and not piss mama off. Mm-hmm. It's going to take them two and a half hours. Sure. So on that same Saturday in June, where I came over and had breakfast and came back and worked, if I'm not run over by customers, I can be like, well, 
it's going to be light till nine o'clock and look at my watch and go, it's five o'clock. They're off the hill and you go up and ride and they're all gone. So, you know, there's no, there's no really bad time. You just have to pick and choose. And as far as the dragon goes, it's got the big draw, but you can, you can't sling a dead cat anywhere within three hours of here and not hit a good road. So, you know, you pass through the dragon you, you get a meal at the store, you grab your T-shirt, and you go on to tons and tons of other good roads that don't have any traffic issues. Hmm. Cherahola Skyway is mm-hmm. 55 miles of absolutely beautiful, limited-access road. And I can go up there and make a fairly spirited lap in the middle of summer and maybe have to pass six or eight people. Hmm. You know, most people aren't committing to the whole 55 miles up there. The whole 55 miles just sounds so weird when you're from the West. 55 miles? Yeah. Well, 55. now there's a thing about that though. Depending on the roads you ride, this is a I've I've learned in this business there's things you caution people about. Mm. We get people that ride here, and and I used to hate stereotypes when I was younger, and then I realized stereotypes are built in fact. They aren't absolute law, but they're built in fact, and you can see the people that are going to have problems. And folks who come from like I lived in Florida for a while. Mm-hmm. We had a group that met the first and third Sunday of every month at the same place for breakfast, and we went on a ride. And it was nothing to do with 300 or 350-mile day. That was nothing because it was big, straight roads, high speed. Mm-hmm. People come here and look at the map and plan out, we're going to see this and this and this and this and this, and they plan out a 300-mile day in the mountains. About 10 <laughs> hours in, <laughs> about 10 hours in, they've covered 200 miles. They don't know where they are. They're tired. They're physically exhausted. They're mentally exhausted, and they're wondering why Bobby rode out into the woods. <laughs> so, so you don't plan 300 mile days here. I, I tell folks, you know, plan a general route, but but plan to enjoy yourself. That's the thing. Mm. It's not, oh my God, we got to be here at a certain time. Sure, and that's that what sucks. gets you in trouble. The peop, the, the the most of the accidents that you see, and I've been watching it here for years and years mm-hmm. and years. Between about one and five in the afternoon, people are tired. They're, they're mentally exhausted. People discount that. They, oh, you know, I ride, I ride 12 hour days at home all the time. No, you don't mm-hmm. ride 12 hour days really, really having to concentrate. And then they get lunch, they get lunch in them. They got a full belly. Mm-hmm. For some folks, they had a beer or two in lunch. Ugh. And they wake up in the trees and they're going, how the hell did I get here? You know, and, and they're dehydrated. I tell people, you know, start during the summer. I, I always email my customers or text them and say, start dehydrating two or three days out. Because, you know, a hot day in the mountain on a motorcycle working that hard mm-hmm. really takes it at you. Oh. So, yeah, the, the traffic isn't the issue here. It really isn't. It's the loose nut between the handlebars and the seat. Yeah, and they will, but they don't, they don't know that they're loose. That's mm. the thing. No nut it, knows it's, it's loose. There's, there's a Zen thing there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. People don't wake up in the morning and go, well, I'm going to go be stupid today. They're, they're thinking, I'm going to go have fun, and they, they, they don't stop to go, what's the smart way to do that? You know, am I really rested enough for this? I'm fortunate enough to know if I'm too tired. There are days where my schedule opens up, and, and I want to go ride, and I'm like, no, not a good idea. You're worn out, haven't had no sleep. Go find something else to do. Guys on vacation can't do that. <laughs> and let's face it, the other thing with motorcycles, too, is you get five or six guys trailer in here from a long way off their first trip they're all excited they've been planning it for weeks stay up late you know maybe drove straight through you know in from somewhere 10 or 12 hours away this time of year is bad because some of them have come from places that they hell they they only started their bike to get it on the trailer they still got snow Mm -hmm. (laughs) get down here unload them 
and now everybody's going to show everybody else how fast they are uh. on on roads on roads they don't know skill sets worn you know after a really long drive staying up late drinking with your buddies and and shit goes south and and i buy parts bikes <laughs> you know I, I hate to say it but it, that happens so be smart when you're out there but hey if you are going to the gap you should check out sport bikes for hire and rent a bike from pj well you know well here's here's the thing people tend to find me and it's another thing about this business and service and stuff i get it happens to me all the time sunday afternoon two o'clock my phone rings you know, it's Sunday afternoon. I was going to dinner with some friends. I was going to crack open a bourbon over dinner. And it's, can you mount a tire? I got a flat. And, and maintenance. Maintenance kills me, kills me, kills me, kills me. Even though I got a parts business, I don't want to take all your money. I want you to spend your money wisely, though. You know, it's not, you got to have a damper on your bike because everybody said that bike needs a damper. It's, do you really need a damper or do you need to spend some time on a riding school? <laughs> um, by the same token, by the same token, if you get on your bike for, you know, a, a 500 mile ride to a twisty mountain road to spend three or four days there and ride 500 miles back, why did you leave home with a quarter of a rear tire left with 20 pounds air in it? <laughs> and, and it happened. And then I'm like, shit, where are you? And this is going to cost you. And, and <laughs> yeah. I don't, Let me and, tell you about our premium print. rates. <laughs> well, that, and that's what's crazy. Uh, one of my faults, guys, is I like to be nice to people. I don't want to overcharge them. I don't want to gouge them for that. Um, most people are surprised at, at how inexpensively they get, they get out of here. But it's frustrating because in, in all the bikes I service, I've, it's a habit now. Every time a cruiser comes in for service, especially when they come in for tires. The first thing I do when I put it on the lift is check the tire pressures on the tires they rode in on. Because the guy will inevitably go, well, I only got 5,000 miles out of that rear tire. And I'll grab the tire gauge and go, well, Bobby, riding it at 18 pounds. <laughs> you know, do you know what that costs you? And they don't want to hear the safety part of it. That generally doesn't work for them. Hmm. The, thing, the thing that works for them is when you go, you know, if you check your pressure just once a month, and on, and on this heavy-ass bike with those Dunlops on it, you were running 38 or 40 pounds. You'd get almost twice the mileage out of it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be here to see me till next spring. And then you can see that the lights come on. Then they're going to buy a damn $6 cut tire gauge. But if you say, you know, I've got to get your ass killed, they uh, not, not going to happen to them. Not me. You know, they don't believe that. I'm not you know, going to crash. No, not me. That happens to the other guy. I don't ride cool. forever. Mm, I've been riding for 20 years. And, 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 <laughs> like that's, that? and that's not just cruisers. That's, that's all folks. I took two sport bikes in for service week before last. These two young ladies brought me their bikes to service and do some mods on. And between the four tires on those two bikes, the highest tire pressure was 19. And we're Whoa. talking sport bikes. Wow. And that didn't feel, <laughs> they didn't notice that it rode yeah. like, like, complete dog shit you know what i'm not even gonna ask that i, I didn't have well, any sort here's of the thing feelings here's about that you guys know you put a fresh set of tires on your bike it feels like a new bike it steers again right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well the same thing with tire pressure it goes off slowly over time just like those tires wear over time and you adjust to it and you compensate for it mm -hmm. and you honestly that happened to you over the course of six or eight months you didn't notice that tiny bit of difference each ride but suddenly somebody puts air in your tires <laughs> and, and, and they, the they sky just opened. don't know any better. Yeah, they just don't know any better. Wow. My ex-wife and I, one time, they do a safety day over at Deals Gap twice a year. 
and have a lot of displays and have, have MSF in, have Tennessee Highway Patrol and North Carolina Highway Patrol in to talk safety with people. We used to set up and just do free tire pressure checks. And it's shocking for the number of people, you know, the percentage of people who have no idea what their tire pressure should be and no idea what it is. And then, and then when they crash, I had no idea how that happened either. <laughs> what happened? Ooh. That deer came out of nowhere. Well, well, you know, and that's something, if, if we're going to cover anything on the show, crashes happen. Mo- physics says motorcycles don't stand up on their own. Doing what we do, do you're going to bounce off the ground. There's that old saying, you know, there, there are those that have been down and those that are going down. And, and I always say there's a third. It's those that are going down again. That's me. I bounced off the ground. It'll probably happen again. I hope it's not real bad because I don't heal like I used to. But uh, the first thing people need to do instead of telling the story and making excuses, as soon as you get over the physical part of it and you're okay, figure out what the hell happened. I see it from Facebook on the groups all the time where somebody crashed in a local group and they're talking about what happened. No, 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 no. And my first thing is think back to what happened. What should you have done different or what could you have done different? Make that, make it a learning experience for next time. Mm-hmm. Don't just make it a war story about, well, when I crashed my Jixer, you know, it was cause it makes some excuse. What the hell should you have done different? I, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of that. People generally don't want to hear it. You'll get every lame excuse in the book. Uh, and they'll never go back to, well, I only had 18 pounds in that rear tire when they put it on the record. <laughs> All right. Well, PJ, thanks so much for being on with us tonight, man. This man, is awesome. Talk to our no, ears I appreciate off, it. I hope. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I've, I'm guilty of that. I can do that for hours. No, no, that's you're, great. You're talking to guys who have 200 episodes of podcasts of just talking to each other about motorcycles. Yeah, we, I, we feel I've you. To some of that. We By the you. way, here's a question for you guys. Yeah. I like NPR. Mm-hmm. When I when I first went and listened to your podcast, you reminded me like I, I think you got to get a couple of years on you to be quite at their level. But do you guys ever listen to Click and Clack on NPR? Oh, sure. I, every yeah. time someone compares us to those, an old Buell begins to run better. <laughs> it's true. It's science. You were you were Click and Clack with uh, with your loud foul language, and you haven't quite perfected smartass yet. But keep practicing. Wow. We've been working on this for years. Clearly, though, we need more years of pink smartasses, Chuck. Well, yes. they did it for a long time before the one brother passed. So keep keep at it. You have time to go. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, now I, now I have, I've, I've, I'm quickly growing this list of like people I'm going to rent bikes from different parts. Of the like, it. like, yeah, it it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It sounds really appealing just to be able to go out there. Cause that's one of those places everyone's like, Oh, you should go out there and yeah. ride it. Yeah. But getting there from here sucks. Yeah. But if we could go out there and just ride a cool bike, mm-hmm. then, you know, bring it down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, Sounds like his bikes are fucking pretty cool. Yeah, immaculate. (laughs) I'm going with cool. (laughs) We'll just show up and be like, hey. Hey. Uh, You know, assuming he lets us out of the garage Mm -hmm. within a couple hours. He's like, I just need to adjust the ECU real fast. (laughs) (laughs) This thing is pretty gutless above four. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Must be the way you're riding it. Weird. So uh, we got a, we got a mail from John. Yes, because John loves our suffering. John writes: After listening to your most recent podcast, I have decided that the bike trouble I may be having is nothing compared to yours. Holy hell, your whole situation sounded like it was awful. 
fuck you. And a fine fuck you very much to you too, sir. Have a nice day. Eat a bag of dicks. Mm-hmm. All day long. Mm-hmm. What have you learned tonight, Chuck? I've learned there's a new kind of raccoon. One that lives in the water. Mm-hmm. I've learned that it probably plays a steel drum. And suddenly I like this raccoon all the more. That's what we got time for tonight. Till next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. Ride safe, everyone. We'll see you next time. You can contact us at wheelnerds at gmail.com or leave us a message at area code 801-917-4136. Record an intro for our show of you and your bike, and maybe it'll be on a future show. Stickers and other merchandise is available at our website, www.wheelnerds.com. If you use iTunes or Stitcher, please leave a review for us. Hell, write our URL on bathroom walls if it helps. If you like this podcast, you can find more like it at wheelnerds.com. This has been a Wheelnerds production, all rights reserved. Readings from other sources are the property of their respective owners and are used with satirical intent. Hi, and welcome to Wheelnerds. This is episode imaginary number. I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. Hi, Chuck. How are you? Blah, blah, blah. My name is Chuck. I smell funny. Thanks, Chuck. That was great.